It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling. But when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine French-Cully, Editor-in-Chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hilary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us. Dear Highlights, my mom and dad have been separated for about a month. I have two cats. I get keys for a lot. Highlights. So Hillary, one of the ways kids in middle school impress and inspire me is with their willingness to try to understand the big significant events in the world. And I know you feel this way too, because we've talked about it lots of times. Some of the most heartbreaking and difficult to answer questions that we get are from kids who are trying to interpret and understand really big and traumatic things that are happening in the world. Yeah, over the years, we have heard from many kids who have questions about these events. Sometimes they want more information to better understand uh, what's happening. They almost always need to express their fears and hear reassurance. And often they want to explore ways to do something to help the situation. They're always so optimistic and uh, their, their desire to help is really inspiring. One of these topics they write to us about, of course, is war. And in our archive of letters and emails from kids, we have many messages from them asking about conflicts, going as far back as the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, They cover 9-11 and conflicts in the Middle East. And while most U.S. kids are fortunate not to have their lives disrupted by war, they do understand the horror of it. Sometimes they send us poems, like the one we included in the book Dear Highlights, sent to us by a 10-year-old. And it reads very simply, oh, the horror of war is very bad. If you live in a free country, you should be glad. The people who have seen war want it to cease. So let's pray that our world will be at peace. And for a lot of other kids, the subject is less abstract. Uh, One reader wrote, my dad is in the military and he is away for six months. We can't know where he is and it's really hard. I act up and can't calm myself. Please help. And it was signed, Nervous in New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, when you look back at these letters from generations before, I think one thing I remember is nothing bad happens here on earth where children aren't a part of it. Well, right now, of course, war is once again on the minds of many kids and it's top of minds for all adults also. We asked Amanda Morgan from the humanitarian nonprofit Save the Children to talk to us today about what's happening in Ukraine. Not only did she offer some great tips for talking to our kids about the war, but she also helped us see more clearly what these past few weeks have been like for the children of Ukraine, reminding us of the trauma war is inflicting on them and deepening our compassion for these children who are all our children. I hope that listeners today will come away with a better understanding of how those children are affected. And most importantly, we be inspired by the kids who write us to think about how can we help. 
Well, let's hear what she had to say. Welcome, Amanda, and thank you for joining us today to discuss the topic that's top of mind for everybody right now, the war in Ukraine, and particularly its impact on children. But before we begin that, uh, would you please give our listeners a little background on Save the Children, the work you do, and specifically your role there? Absolutely. So Save the Children is the world's first and leading independent children's organization. We work in over a hundred countries and we're really about transforming the lives of hundreds of millions of children every year. And our mission is to ensure that they grow up healthy, educated, and safe. We were actually founded in 1919 to serve children in Europe after World War I. So we were no stranger to the issues that are really impacting children who are displaced from their homes today. My role at Save the Children is I am the Director of Humanitarian Fundraising. And it's a really unique role that I get to play at Save the Children because I work both closely with our colleagues in the Department of Humanitarian Response who are doing that work every day in countries around the world. But I also get to work with uh, folks in our organization who are truly passionate about um, making sure that we are able to resource our programs to the best of our ability so we can achieve those goals. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure you wish your work weren't necessary. Uh, but Absolutely. It's important work. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, let's talk now specifically about what's going on in Ukraine and what kids there are experiencing. So right now, conditions in Ukraine are pretty horrific. Um, and what children are experiencing, having to flee Ukraine and, and enter into new countries that are foreign to them, um, is, is a scary and it's daunting. And, uh, and I think there's no other way to, to discuss it other than it's, it's incredibly traumatic. Um, and, and so what Save the Children is doing in Ukraine is, is really trying to reach those children and those families who are currently sheltering um, and trying to save, stay safe. Um, so we've been working in, in Ukraine since 2014, um, and we're working with local partners to deliver aid to them where they can, where it's safe. Um, and what that looks like is they're trying to get resources like food, water, fuel, um, and even cash into the hands of people, uh, essentially to, to try to help them flee if they need to. Let's talk a little bit about the long-term effects of war and displacement on children. I mean, your organization has seen it for many years. Sure. So... Displacement is, like I said, a really traumatic event. And even for people who are displaced, they can be displaced within their own countries and they face immense challenges. It saved the children's mission within our humanitarian responses to really address both the needs of children and adults. Um, and we do that by addressing their very immediate needs. So we do that by um, providing what's called non-food items, NFIs, as sometimes it's referred to. Um, and, and really those items are those basic necessities to make sure people can, um, can get through their days, uh, but with dignity. So there are standards, humanitarian principles that 
humanitarian organizations abide by that really serve people with dignity. Part of that is about getting people um, simple things like hygiene items. Um, and for women and girls, it's about getting them dignity kits um, and making sure that, that they have those essentials um, during a humanitarian crisis so they can be safe, but they also have what they need to survive. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that war is bad for kids. That seems pretty self-evident, right? I do think that one of the things people think of is um, they want to help in the immediate crisis of a problem. I also wondered if you can talk a little bit about what we know about the long-term effects of children experiencing the kind of trauma that children are experiencing right now, either by leaving their home country and having to flee, or by still being there in the midst of tremendous violence and uncertainty and physical threat to their families. Uh, what do we know about what those families need long-term after we hope at some point this violence will end? Yeah, absolutely. So as I explained, our, our response like is immediate in nature, but Save the Children is one of the organizations that typically is the first to respond and the last to leave. Really um, getting to your point about what it is that they need for the long term. And so our approach in, in supporting um, children and adults who've had to flee their home is really about integrated and holistic support. And so the, the traumatic impact of what they experience, um, especially for children, affects their emotional growth. It, it, except, uh, it affects their cognitive development, their physical development development, should they be malnourished for long periods of time. We see all those physical and emotional impacts on children. And so the way we develop our programming is really looking at children at the center of everything that we do. And so when we look at children at the center, we then draw connections to what are all the supportive elements around a child that are going to help them be um, feel safe, uh, that's going to enable them to, to learn because they need to have... Um, they need to have stability and they need to uh, address their social emotional health before they can even enter a classroom and start to learn. Um, and then they also need supportive parents who are able to provide for them um, financially to set up a home for them um, and also address their own trauma um, to, to be able to parent um, and, and provide their children with, the, with all of the things that they're going to need. So our program is really looking at what is the, what are all those areas? And um, so just to name a few, um, we address their health needs. We uh, support parents in uh, building their livelihoods back up. And that might be through training, that might be through uh, providing support to help them start a business. Um, and then it's also helping parents understand how children learn and how to set up a safe environment at home so they're able to go to school 
um, and that they have the financial resources to provide for their children to go to school in certain communities. Um, so what we're what we're looking at now in in respect to Ukraine is um, setting up the systems, and and there are already large civil service society organizations in Poland, in in Romania, in Lithuania, and many countries that will see large numbers of Ukrainian families um, coming into their countries, such as Germany, Italy, and France. Those countries have really good systems to to take these families in, um, but they're going to be very specialized services that these children and their parents are going to need um, for many years to make sure that they're able to integrate into that community, that they're going to understand and know how to access the special services that they're going to need to help them on that journey to rebuild their family connection and also to um, to rebuild their lives and their livelihoods. And so Save the Children really looks at all of those components um, to make sure that they're going to be successful. You know, Highlights readers live in the United States, and for the majority of them, this is not Um, They're not experiencing directly the trauma of this war. They're hearing about it. One of the things that I'm so inspired by about kids is whenever there's something really awful happening in the world, we get letters from kids. And the main thing we hear from them is, how can I help? I'm wondering if you can talk about how families and even how uh, kids themselves here who want to support the work that Save the Children is doing to help these kids, what can they do to participate? Yes, we get many of the same types of requests as how can my kids get involved and what can we do as a family? Um, And so here at Save the Children, we're all about the idea about raising kids who care. And so this is really about approaching children who are interested in being that helper. Um, And that can look different at different ages. And so, um, uh, you know, across all those ages, we really encourage parents to talk with their kids about how other children live, um, to talk about cultures, to talk about other children's experiences in life. Um, And this can be about children who live in your community, other parts of the United States or in other parts of the world. Um, But when it comes to these conversations around helping children, it's really about, um, you know, approaching it and keeping it pretty simple. And so it's keep that conversation simple. It's about answering their questions honestly and age appropriately, and then helping them think through how can they be a part of the solution that works for your family, but also gets the kids involved. Um, right now, there are a couple different ways that we're recommending children can get involved. One of those ways is through a campaign that we have, um, and it's about drawing flowers for children. Um, and they can post those. Um, you can post them on social media, um, and you can share them. And and that really is it's a it's a symbol of hope. Um, and and better things to come. And what we're finding is also in our child-friendly spaces, we often see children drawing and they draw flowers and they draw things that they really want to see um, that that might calm them and make them feel good. And so the flower is is, is symbolic of that. Um, and and really, you know, getting children involved in first conversations, but then also in how you feel comfortable um, helping as a family. 
And that could be also donating, and it could be working together in your community with others to raise money um, and, and donating to a cause where you, where you feel comfortable. I love that drawing flowers project. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, we often say to parents when we talk about how to guide your children through, um, how to talk to your children about difficult subjects, difficult topics, is to make sure that you can kind of regulate and manage your own emotions. Uh, I've talked to many parents, many adults who all say, you know, seeing, seeing the videos, hearing and reading about what's happening there is so horrific um, that they you know, really can't even watch. They really don't know how to handle it themselves. Do you have tips for those parents who are really struggling, but yet want to help their children? Yes, we we do have tips for parents. And I think that this is one of the unique roles that Save the Children plays, especially as a humanitarian organization, is that it's not just about working out in the field and helping in those communities that uh, are experiencing disaster, but we're also very concerned and, and supportive of parents who want to talk to their children about it. So we've developed some tips on how parents can talk to their kids about conflict, about war, um, and those are posted on our website. Um, there's five tips that are included um, and, and really is one, it's about making time and listening to your child when they want to talk about it um, and, and really give them the space to, to let you know how they feel um, and you validating those feelings and, and giving them a, a, a safe space to, to express those feelings. It's also about tailoring the conversation to the child. And so that's what I was talking about before, about being age appropriate. So very young children don't need to know or see some of those really horrible images that we're seeing in the news, keeping them away from that. Um, but it's also as parents about not over explaining a situation and going into too much detail. And, and that's where, you know, really receiving the cues from your child about how much they want to know and, and asking them questions first before giving them all the information. Um, following up and validating those feelings. And then lastly, reassuring them that um, there's adults and there's people in the world that are focused on this, this crisis or whatever's happening, and that there are people who are taking care of children um, and, and taking them in. And I think one thing about um, the, the crisis that we're seeing right now that I think is important to focus on is the huge number of people, just everyday people in Poland, in Romania, in Moldova, in, in Lithuania, who are driving up to the borders, are taking people in, handing them meals. Um, and that togetherness is, is hugely important to point out, is that it may feel overwhelming that there is so much negativity right now, but there is just as much, if not more, um, positivity uh, you know, out there. And I'm thinking about parents who are having trouble regulating their own emotion about it before they talk to their own children. But some of those tips would apply to parents. They should could apply them to themselves as well. Absolutely. I, I think as parents, we know a lot and we, and we need to take the time and give ourselves, I speak um, as a parent of a 14 and a, an 11 year old um, and somebody who 
talks and thinks about these crises every single day of my life, it is very overwhelming. Um, and I think giving ourselves that space to calm down and, and do what we need to do to before we approach children in those conversations is absolutely critical. Amanda, I think the tips you gave are fantastic. And as Chris said, both some of them apply too for adults to help us stay in this space. You know, I had written in the notes to talk a little bit about um, approaching conversations with kids about the threat of nuclear war, because we did say earlier that kids in the United States are not in the center of the violence right now, but the potential for nuclear war is something that obviously affects every human on earth. It's big. And while none of us are introducing this topic to our kids, I know as a parent that I am hearing from my kids that this topic is on their mind. And I've been thinking a lot about the things that we advise grown-ups to do when there is tough news to deal with in the world. And sometimes something is so big and so difficult that one of the things I like to acknowledge for myself first is Adults also do not have a well, always well-organized world to deliver to children. What we can deliver to them is listening to them. And I heard you say it in your answer, you know, listening to kids and giving them space to talk. I think it's really important to revisit and pause on that and say there are limits to the concept of advice the concept of a perfect delivery of something in a moment, because some things are truly bigger than any advice column or Google could be when you're talking about an existential threat to humanity. There may not be a right way to talk to your kids about it. And there might only be that you can be present with them. Um, mm -hmm. And I think do exactly what you're saying, too, which is to talk about all the people in the world who are focused on preventing things like that from happening. I think we got a lot of experience in the last two years with the pandemic, but there we had things that we could take action on. And I think a lot of us took comfort in the ability to put a mask on and put a mask on our kids if they felt that was the right decision um, and to take precautions. And you're right, in this is, instance, we do feel a bit powerless because there isn't necessarily something we can do in our everyday lives. But I think coming together as a family um, and sharing the love that we have for each other and acknowledging that, you know, things can be scary, sitting with people alongside them as they experience pain or they experience frustration and nervousness and all of those feelings that can come. And also recognizing that maybe you don't know your child's thinking about this um, and, and watching out for signs where they may look a little bit, a bit off. Um, is, those are all important things. Um, and yes, definitely acknowledging our limits as parents and human beings and giving ourselves grace is hugely important. And I appreciated the reminder to let the kids kind of lead the conversation, uh, let them ask questions and take your cues from them. Um, we've, we found that often kids don't expect us to have all the answers. They just want to be heard and they want to be reassured. 
And sometimes that's enough, especially in situations like this where we certainly do not have all the answers. And spelling out what does it mean for them and what doesn't it mean for them and and helping them through that day and, and as best we can, not making them feel overwhelmed. So yeah, absolutely. Amanda, we like to um, end our podcast by asking all our podcast guests this question. You know, it highlights, um, not unlike Save the Children, we believe that children are the world's most important people. That's our core value. And if we, as a global society, really believed that, what might we do differently right now to um, show children that truth? I think elevating their voices more in our conversations. I think that we shouldn't necessarily speak all the time for our children and that save the children. We want children's voices to be heard. We want them included in family conversations, in community conversations, national conversations, and all the way to the top at international conversations. They are the ones who are inheriting the problems of today. Um, And it's important that they, at the right time, and those who are interested, get a space at the table. Um, And and I really mean that at every table. Um, And Save the Children believes in that hugely. Um, And it's a huge part of the work that we do um, at Save the Children in our advocacy Um, But it's also a part of the work that we do in humanitarian response and development work. Our programming brings children into our conversations around how, you know, what do you need and how should we deliver it? And so we take it very seriously and we ask for children's feedback constantly in our programming. Um, And so I take that into my daily life with my own children. Um, and I think we should all take that very seriously in, in anything that we're doing. And that's how we plant the seeds for future civic engagement. I mean, it happens in childhood um, by letting kids know that what they think and feel matters and making sure they know they're heard. I hope that many of our listeners today are inspired to want to support the work that Save the Children is doing right now in Ukraine. I want our listeners to know that they can find the link to do that in our show notes. And they can also go to Save the Children's website to learn more about how you all are helping. Thank you so much for that work that you're doing. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you so much, Hillary. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Love speaking with you today. Thank you. You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.